You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. I was really nervous this week because I was thinking about this talk, and I was like, man, Antley's in Israel. And, you know, I wasn't worried that he wasn't going to, you know, he was going to get killed or something. I was worried that he was going to join the military in Israel or something. <laughs> He's been doing CrossFit all summer, seven hours a day, and I thought he was going to be over there and be like, I'm ready, guys. You know, send me in, front lines. So I had to prepare two different talks, really, for today. One in case he doesn't come back, and one in case he does come back. <laughs> so the theme is freedom, and uh, the, the first title, the first talk I was going to do was Freedom, Why We Can Make It Without a Senior Pastor. <laughs> so I was going to be powerful, but he's here. So the second talk I was going to talk about was Freedom, Why We Can't Make It Without a Senior Pastor. So we're, that's the one I'm going to do. No. No, just kidding. I'm not doing either one, actually. But it is freedom. Um, let's pray before we begin. God, thank you for, uh, for your freedom, Lord, for beauty, the beauty of freedom in Christ, God, that you've called us to freedom. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak through me and speak to us this morning, God, about the power, the beauty, and the reality of who we are in you. Amen. So, this theme of, theme of freedom has been a really prevalent thing this summer. I think a lot of testimony times have been People have been talking about freedom and God setting them free, God healing them. And I wanted to kind of share my own story a little bit and my own uh, ideas about freedom and just what uh, the Lord, I think, was saying to me as I prepared for this, uh, this talk. And freedom is kind of this, this interesting idea, like we're set free in Christ. What does that really mean? What is freedom? I was talking to my, um, my brother-in-law about six months ago when we were not, not talking about spiritual freedom, but more like freedom in general, <clears throat> and he had said, you know, America is not a free country because we have laws, and we have speed limits, and we have, we have to wear helmets on motorcycles. And it wasn't, it wasn't that juvenile, but, but essentially, we, we were talking about freedom, and I, so I said, so is freedom the absence of laws, or is freedom the absence of, of rules? And he said, yeah, freedom is just you can do what you want. And I, I felt like, you know, if you ask the average person on the street, you know, what do you think it means to be free? They probably would say something like, you know, freedom is the Ability or the right to do what you desire. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the choice you have to do whatever you feel like you want to do. And that's partially true, I think. That's, that's partially true. But I think, as far as it comes to laws, I mean, we have to understand there's, there's good and there's evil. So there's speed limits, there's laws against murder, there's laws against whatever, whatever. Not in order to restrict freedom, but to enable us to walk in freedom for the good. So... I can't go 100 miles an hour in a residential area because it could cause damage or death. It's dangerous. So there's laws that restrict me, not because they're oppressing me, but they recognize good versus evil. And they recognize danger versus not danger. Um, so in a spiritual sense, coming towards this issue of freedom, God sets me free. God sets us free, truly. Like we are set free the moment we come to Christ. We're set free. But what are we set free from and what are we set free for? Oftentimes, I think, I'm, I've, I, you know, I, I just feel like many times God just lets me, this is not true, this is a, this is a lie, but I feel like I'm set free to do what I want. Grace, grace means I can do what I want and God will forgive me. And I believe that freedom is not just the freedom from something, but the freedom for something. That God sets me free in order to live a certain way. He, freedom is the power to do what is right, not to do necessarily what I want, 
This is a hard thing to say at the beginning. This is just my intro in a sense. I'll get to the happy stuff in a second. But, but the point is that we have to recognize that God sets us free truly. But that freedom, if we trust him, is to live within the boundaries and live within the trajectory that he has for our lives. Last week, Tom talked about trust. And it really comes down to trust. Do I trust God? That when he sets me free and I choose to live within the principles, the boundaries, the rules, so to speak, that it's not legalism. It's not God restricting me. It's not God holding me back. It's not me trying to earn something, like I'm trying to do good things to merit his love. I'm in. The cross is enough. Only just said that the cross is enough, that we're in, we're loved, we're chosen. So my response to love, my response to being in, is I will live within boundaries that he sets. Not because he's restricting me, but because when I live within those parameters, I find life, real life. When I choose to submit my finances to God and I choose to be free from the love of money, I live generously and generosity is an amazing thing. When you give, you, 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 you receive. When you, when, you, when you give to a cause or give to a church or give to a person, what happens? You feel joy in your heart because that principle of freedom applies that God has said, I want control of everything. And if you live generously, you're going to find greater life and greater freedom. So God sets us free for something, from something, for something. So the boundary lines that he makes for us are not legalistic. They're not religious. They're not about earning. They're not about proving. They're not about anything like that. They're about life. And when I live within those boundaries, when I live within those parameters— Whatever the issue is, whether it's money, whether it's purity, whether it's forgiveness of people who've wronged us, whether it's my job, all those things, the Lord brings greater life. Do I trust him? Do I trust him with my money? Do I trust him with my relationships? Do I trust him to forgive someone who's wronged me and he'll get, he, he's the judge, not me? Do I trust him? There's a song by Laura Edwards. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's just, a, it's just a refrain. It says this, I'm beginning to see these boundary lines you've meant for me are so that I could find all of the treasures inside a holy God. It's my joy to love. It's my joy to obey. You can have my heart. You can have my praise. That's really it. That when we live within the boundary lines, when we live by what the Lord has established for us, we find the treasure of the beauty of obedience. We find the treasures of the beauty of holiness. We find the treasures of the beauty of a God who loves us, even when we fail. And that's the beginning of freedom, I think. So the Lord says... And oftentimes we think of this, I often think of freedom is just from, I'm free from this, I'm free from whatever it is, greed or anger or fear or lust. But the bigger picture, the more glorious part of it is what the Lord has set us free for. And what he sets us free for is all the rest of it. He sets me free from, the, from greed and love of money for generosity. He sets me free from impurity and, and immorality for, for purity and for joy. He sets me free from anger and bitterness for compassion and mercy. He sets me free from fear so I can live in confidence. And that's the rest of it. And oftentimes we, we only think, I only think of, what do I need to be free from? What do I need to be free from? What do I need to be free from? When he's saying there is, there is so much more, I, I am setting you free. But it's also for all the rest. It's for the joy. It's for the, the mercy. It's for the compassion. And the issue comes down to, the issue really for me has been in my life, how do I access freedom? If we are free, if we're truly free, 
What does that mean? What does it mean, and how do I access it? This is really the crux of my whole talk this morning. Some scriptures. I'll, I'll just say this real fast. Anley said, said it this morning, too. You took my whole talk. It really ticks me off. But anyway, so we can't be more forgiven than we are when we come to Christ. That's the, that's the truth. We cannot add to what Jesus did. It's not, it doesn't matter if you're one day old in Jesus or 45 years old in Jesus. You can't add to it. And the issue is, why don't we believe that? Why don't I believe that? Why, don't I, why can't I access that reality? In the same way, when we come to Christ, we're free. We're free from sin. We're free from those things I just talked about. We're set free, positionally set free. And yet I don't believe it. I don't, I don't think I believe it. I do, I do now more. But we're truly, the power of the cross is all that we need. And the issue is, how do we access that power? How do we access that reality that this is who I am now? This is who I am now. I am a saint who still sins. Rather than being a sinner who is sometimes a saint, I'm a saint. Because of the blood of Christ, I'm a saint who still struggles with sin. Different identity, totally. One defines you by what you do wrong, and one defines you by who you are because of the cross. So I'm a saint that still sins and struggles with sin, but I'm not a sinner. I'm not identified by sin. So, some scriptures. Acts 13, 38 and 39. Paul's preaching to the Antioch synagogue, where there are Jews and Gentiles. He's preaching the gospel. This is the simple message of the cross. And he says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes, everyone who believes, there's no exclusion Everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you are not able to attain under the law of Moses. That is incredible. I've never even really noticed that verse. I was just reading through some texts and I saw this. I was like, this is incredible. Everyone who believes is set free from every sin. It's not everyone who believes 20 years later once you've had enough quiet times. 20 years later once you've gone on enough mission trips. 20 years later once you've prayed enough hours and given enough money, you're set free. The moment you believe, the moment you accept Christ, the moment you make him the Lord of your life, you're free. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. The key word there is access. It's not a word used very much in, in Scripture. You don't see it very often. We have gained access by faith into this grace. It's a huge, huge thing to know that we have access to God. Everything that Jesus Christ, let's say, let me say, say a different way. Everything that Jesus Christ had access to when he died, rose from the dead, and we believe in him, we have the same access. That's crazy. That's crazy. We have the same access to God that Jesus Christ did. That may sound like heresy, but I believe that. He adopts us in. We have the same access Ephesians 2, 17, 18. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near, Jews and Gentiles. And through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. One chapter later, Ephesians 3, 12 and 13. In him, through faith, and through faith in him, rather, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings. Again, this idea of access is huge. I went to a conference, uh, actually I was at my church years ago. I saw um, 
an amazing woman, Heidi Baker. She spoke at a conference at our church. This is four or five years ago. This is in Virginia. And she's a well-known missionary in Mozambique, the poorest country in the world. She's planted over 7,000 churches in 10 years. And she says that when she comes to America, it's often difficult to see the same miracles that she would see. She's known for amazing, crazy things that have happened in her ministry in Africa, healings and uh, dramatic things. And she was saying, you know, in America, it's, it's, it's difficult, it's different sometimes. People don't really believe who they really are. They don't believe in who really, what Jesus really did for them. So what she did is at this conference, she said, I'm going to show you something tonight that, that proves the Lord, who the Lord is and that you have access to God. And she said, I'm going to have all the children under the age of 13 pray for healing tonight. And all the children that, are, that want to come up and, and I'm going to talk to them for about an hour and they're going to come out and they're just going to pray for whatever you want prayer for. It was basically healing or freedom or whatever it was. And she took the kids aside for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, talked to them, prayed for them, prayed with them, and basically told them this simple thing. You're loved by God. Jesus loves those people. And you have access to God. All that he, all that he did. So these kids came out and lined up and people came up front or they went out in the audience or people raised their hands and what happened was absolutely astounding to me. It wasn't like there was thousands of people getting healed of everything, but there was, it was dramatically real. People were weeping. Women could feel cancer leaving their bodies. Breast cancer, ovarian cancer were healed. I saw a woman who was uh, deaf in one ear healed. Crazy stuff. Seven-year-olds praying for 30-year-olds. Seven-year-olds who were Christians for a couple years maybe, or not even. Who knows? But they understood something very profound. They have access to God. They have access to God and his love and his freedom. And we have the same access. We go through life, though, and we allow shame and condemnation and disqualification to enter. I can't even pray for a migraine headache without going, was my quiet time long enough this morning, Lord, to pray for this migraine headache? I don't know if I can do it, Lord. Don't give me cancer. Don't give me a cancer person. I can't pray for cancer. It's like... You know, it's like, because in my mind, I'm thinking all these legalistic things. These kids understood one simple thing. I'm loved. He loves them. And we have access to that. Profound. So, the question is, how do we access that? It's almost like we are billionaires in the spirit, and we don't know it. It's almost like there are... In our, and, and, it's, and it's no different, no matter if you're one year old. There's no, there's no 401k in Christianity. There's, you know, it's like it doesn't matter if you're one year old or 25 years old. We all have the same bank account. We all have the same amount. The question is, how do we get to it? How do we access it? And it's like, I mean, I read a story. I heard a story. I don't know what it was. Uh, this is something, you know, I just remember a couple years ago. But reading about these homeless people across America. There's thousands of homeless people that have, you know, they have no home. They're homeless. So they, they are homeless, and they have money in the bank. They have thousands. Some of them have millions of dollars and they don't know it because someone died and gave it to them or they had 401ks from a former job or something and they walk the streets as if they're homeless. Well, they are homeless. And as if they have nothing when really they have money in the bank. And that's how some of us live our lives as Christians. We have everything and we don't know how. We, we, We may not believe it or we may not know how to access it just like them. They don't know it. They don't know how to access it. But it's there. So the cross is enough. So how do we access it? How does it happen? 
And this is the real key, I think. This is the real, this is the real, the real battle in our lives. Is how do we begin to look more like Christ, to walk out the freedom that he's really purchased for us? For some people, it happens quickly. Some people, it happens, you know, in a sense, overnight. They, they come to Christ, and God breaks addictions, and God breaks depression, and, God, and you're like, man, I hate that guy. You know, he's, he's so happy and so free, and I'm 20 years later, I'm still ticked off at the president or something. You know, it's like, whatever. But I mean, like, it's, it's, it, for most people, it is a process. It's a process of renewing our mind with, with, with the truth. I remember um, my wife telling me a story about uh, a woman. She's a nurse, and she had this woman in her office that had high blood pressure. And the woman, uh, Shannon took her blood, blood pressure, and She's like, Mrs. Johnson or whatever her name was. She, Mrs. Johnson, your blood pressure is re- you know, really high. We're going to talk about that today. And she goes, no, it's not in Jesus' name. And so the chance like, well, no, we, we want to work on that. You know, it's, 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 uh, we're we're going to talk about that with the doctor. And it is, it is such and such, 180 over, you know, whatever it was. And she goes, no, it's not in Jesus' name. And she had caught something that was true. Her attitude was right. But maybe she didn't understand the reality of, we as Christians don't deny reality, but we assert a greater truth over and against that reality. Does that make sense? In other words, the feelings may not tell us that we're free. The facts may not tell us that we're free. But there's something greater than fact, and that's truth. There's something greater than your feelings, and that's truth. So I got laid off from my job. That's a fact. We don't deny that and say, no, I didn't. I'm going to work tomorrow in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you got laid off, man. You're, you're not, you don't have a job. You, don't, you can't just show up in the office space and get a guy with a stapler, you know, sitting there at his desk. No, you're laid off. But that's, uh, that's a fact. We don't deny that and live in a fantasy world, but we say there's a greater truth. God's my provider. He's my shelter. We assert the truth over and against the facts and the feelings. And eventually, the feelings will catch up. Eventually, your feelings will catch up with the truth. And the joy that is promised you in Christ, or the freedom that's promised, or the peace that's promised, comes. It may not not happen overnight. In my life, it didn't happen overnight. It, It was a process of years and years. And I'll just be a little vulnerable, but like basically... I was, for many years, trying to get free from many, many things, not many things, several things. And one of those things was pornography. It was an issue in my life from an early age, and I turned to it when I was rejected or felt rejected. I turned to it, as many men do and some women do as well, to escape. And for many years, I was open about it with people. I, was, I wasn't hiding it, living a double life, but it progressively got worse. I lost my ministry at my previous church, uh, a volunteer ministry that I was leading. And it had consequences, and rightly so. I was removed from ministry. It, it, it became worse and worse. And I was vulnerable with people, but I wasn't getting free. I was doing everything I knew how to do, reading the books, going to meetings. I was going to counseling, all that stuff. But it was, I wasn't getting free. And many of us probably feel like that. I mean, many guys, I imagine, feel like that. I, I, can just, I, I just know in my own heart that this is an issue. It's a prevalent issue, and it's profoundly difficult. And I really thought, you know, in my mind, I thought if I just tell people, if I just confess it, if I just, this is what I really thought, this is really what I, I really thought that if I just get prayer from a really powerful Christian, then I'm going to get set free. 
If, if the super Christian of my church will pray for me, I'll get set free. And I would go down, prayer, go down for prayer every week, which I, I, I believe in prayer and I believe in the power of God, all that stuff. And I, and I would get prayer. And I would, I would get prayer by some powerful people. I mean, I got prayed for by a guy from Africa. He was in charge of 3,000 missionaries. Okay, he'd cast out demons from witch doctors. And he prayed for me for four hours and nothing happened. I was like, dude, you're not powerful enough. I need somebody else. So I went through all those people, you know, praying. And what I really wanted, this is just be honest, I wanted them to transfer their relationship with God to me. I wanted them to give me their maturity in Christ. Just transfer it over by your arm, just boom. There it is. Now I don't have to do anything because now you just transferred it. And I believe God speaks through people. I believe God heals through people. But God is not going to give you someone else's walk with God when they pray for you. It doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't. And so I didn't want to do the work. And the work wasn't that difficult. The work was, here it is, will I just stand in the truth of what God has done? Day after day, moment after moment, choice after choice. That's freedom. Would I just stand when, when I left the prayer meeting two hours later and the temptations came back? When I left the prayer meeting two weeks later, would I stand in that truth and continue to assert the truth over and against the feelings and the facts of my life? And over time, it became more and more real. Over time, the bricks came down. Over time, the walls came down. It didn't happen overnight. Sometimes it does happen overnight. The guy who talked last week gave his testimony. is powerful. Basically, it happened you were set free. But for most of us, depression, fear, anger, bitterness, lust, it doesn't happen overnight. So when you come down front for prayer, today, for example, we believe in prayer. We love prayer. We love praying for you. But the most important, this is my own opinion, this is not Anthony's opinion, this is my opinion. The most important thing that happens on Sunday morning, the most important thing is going to be when you walk out that door and what you do with what was said over you. Not what happens here, but what you do with it how you stand in it, how you walk it out. Two hours later when the temptation returns, two hours later when the rejection returns, two hours later when the fear returns, when it comes back, will you stand in the truth and say, this is who I am. God's my provider. God's my healer. God's the lover of my soul. God's the reward of my life. I don't need pornography. He's a great, his love is better than life. He's the reward of my soul. I don't need it. So on and so forth. Whatever the issue is, there's a truth that, that trumps the facts and the feelings. You know, when I was praying for this meeting, I felt like there were people that have, a, a feel, I mean, feelings are important. We have to recognize that. We feel like we're, we're not free. Even though God's declared you free and we have to access that, we don't feel it. We don't, our feelings don't match up with that. We feel like as if we have chains. I saw pictures of people with chains on their arms and shackles on their legs and I saw people with, within prison cells and I feel like the Lord wants to say to you this morning that those are, th th though you feel that way, the chains are not locked and the prison cell is open. That though you feel that addiction, though you feel that depression, though you feel that fear, and the chains are real, they're not, like, it's not, you're not just avoiding it or just denying it, they're real. You really have struggles, you really have problems, you really have issues in your life that you want to change. The shackles are, are not locked in Jesus' name. And the door of the prison cell is open in Jesus' name because you're free. This morning you're free. This morning I'm free. And we can celebrate that. 
So when you come down front for prayer, as you come down front in a few minutes, whatever's prayed over you, leave today knowing that you have the choice to stand in that truth. That's maturity. That's progressive growth in the Lord. No one else can do it for you. No one else can do it for you. You can have accountability partners. You can have, you can have prayer partners. You can, have, you can go to the best talks, the best churches, the best conferences, the best everything. But it still comes down to your choice to walk it out, to walk out freedom. You're free. I'm free. It can't be added to. It can't be changed. It can't be made better. Let's stand and pray. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that a lot was spoken quickly, God, and I just pray, Lord, that you would speak what people need to hear, each person here today, Father. As they come down front for prayer, as people are moved, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, God, would break in, Lord, with the reality, the truth, that we are free in you, Jesus, and we just love you, God. We say you're the reward, Father, of our lives. You're the reward of our hearts, God. You're worth seeking after. And you set us free from something, and you set us free for something. And that's for life in Jesus. Amen.